so welcome to everybody, no matter where you are uh, physically, it's, it's fantastic that everybody can gather together this morning through Zoom uh, to, yeah, we can see one another, um, hopefully, and uh, have some kind of conversation, but more importantly, come together to, to worship God. I do have a, a few notices to give. Um, Martin, our pastor, and his family are on holiday at the moment in Greece, so we, we hope that they're having a really good time. Um, I'll be leading the service, Steve will be leading worship, Mark will be giving us a knowledge talk, uh, Tony's preaching, and we have a testimony from, from Peter, Peter Redmond, so that'll be something to look forward to. Um, yeah, belated congratulations to Noel and Pauline on their golden wedding for yesterday. That's uh, fantastic. So, um, and I'm glad to hear that you, you had a lovely day. So congratulations to you both. Uh, this week, um, Mark will be starting the Let's Do Takeaway Lunch at, uh, down at Heatherville. It's um, every Tuesday and Thursday throughout August from four to five. So if you, if you can, um, you know, be praying for that initiative, that the, the right families will come along and um, we'll be able to, to make good contacts there, build up relationships. I mentioned that uh, Peter will be um, sharing a testimony with us. Um, we are going to be aiming to make testimony a more regular part of our Zoom services as it had become um, in our real services. Uh, for example, testimonies from people who have been or are still working on, on the front line. Um, yeah, perhaps, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting a bit mixed up there. Sorry, let me start again. Yeah, we are planning to, to make testimony more of, um, of, a, of a feature. Uh, so, yes, it may be that... Um, you are working on the front line or you have been or you have some particular experience that you you feel would be good to share uh, if you do have please could you contact tony or or nigel or martin when he's back from holiday um, the week after next and let them know or it may be that somebody who knows your your situation might contact you and ask you to to give uh, testimony and the other thing that we're wanting to do is to offer opportunity for individual prayer ministry after the service, something that we did every week when we were meeting together, but we haven't really been doing on Zoom. So I apologize if this is news to members of the, the prayer team, um, but just to, to let, make you aware that this is what we, we are um, intending to do. Somebody, probably the, the service leader, will confirm with uh, prayer team that people will be available to pray. Uh, at the end of the service. Um, Nigel's mobile number will be displayed at the beginning of the service on the PowerPoint. And if you want to request prayer, um, perhaps prayer for particular things, um, just like the, as I said about the testimony, if you are or have been working on the front line, um, if you want to give thanks for answer to prayer, um, if that applies to you, then you would send a text to Nigel's number with your name. And then at the end of the service, Nigel will put you in a breakout room with a member of the, the prayer team. So I hope that makes sense. Um, hopefully it'll become clearer as, as we, we go through. 
And uh, yeah, now I'm going to hand over to Steve to lead us in our opening worship. Thanks, Steve. Morning, everyone. Give me a quick wave. See you all there. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Lovely to be here and uh, again be worshipping uh, God. So without further ado, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Saviour. Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. Jesus is the name 
us Then who could ever stop us And if our God is with us Then what could stand against And if our God is for us Then who could ever stop us And if our God is with us Then what could stand thank you. We want to bring you honour and praise this morning. And as we've sung, Lord, we thank you that there is none like you, that you are greater, that you are stronger, that you are a healer, that you are awesome. And we can put your, our trust in you. There is no one else we, we can trust. And Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for each one of us. And we have so many things to thank you for. We thank you for, for Martin and Sarah and Sam and Ella. We thank you that uh, they've been able to go on holiday. We thank you that uh, they can have this time of, of refreshment. Um, we ask that you really will bless them on, on this holiday. We thank you for Noel and Pauline and the, the milestone that they reached yesterday of 50 years of marriage. We thank you for them as a couple and as individuals. Lord, they're such a blessing, such an example and an encouragement to so many of us. And Lord, we thank you that uh, you are at the center of their marriage and of their lives. We thank you that they were able to have such a, a good day yesterday celebrating with family and, and friends and neighbours. And we ask that you would continue to bless them in the, the days and weeks and months and years ahead. Lord, we thank you for the Let's Do Takeaway Lunch initiative. And we ask for your blessing on that, on Mark and on all the team. And we, we pray, Lord, that you will be preparing people to come along and we just thank you for this opportunity to reach out in blessing to those in our community who perhaps need that, that extra touch. But more than anything, Lord, we would want them to come to know you. And we do pray for the, the Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout August, for everybody who comes along and everybody who takes part. 
Lord, we pray for those who are coming out of shielding at this time and might be feeling anxious about going back into the community. You tell us to cast our, our cares and our anxiety on you. And we pray that they will do that, Lord, that they will bring them to you and that you will give them their, your peace. And Lord, we do pray for sensible behavior everywhere, Lord. We've seen so many pictures of, of people crowding together and we can understand why they want to do that. But Lord, would you please just enable us to be sensible about uh, being out of lockdown? Because we don't want to see a second spike, Lord. And so we ask that you would, would control behaviors that we might avoid that, that second spike. Lord, you are great. And we bring to you our praise and our worship. And we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now um, we're going to hear another all-age all talk, courtesy of, of Mark. So thank you for that, Mark. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all well and looking forward to starting our new series on wisdom from the book of Proverbs. I don't know about you, but I think I could certainly do with more wisdom. A lot of the book of Proverbs is written by a guy called Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was the son of King David. And when Solomon came to the throne, he was quite young. Some say as young as 12, but others maybe 20 or so. At the time, Israel was vast and prosperous. The population was described as more numerous than the dust. Shortly after he became king, God appeared to Solomon at night and told him to ask God for whatever he wanted. I wonder, what would I have asked for in the same situation? Maybe wealth and money, maybe safety or security, or even if I was king, maybe to be a mighty warrior and defeat all of my enemies. But this was not what Solomon asked for. Solomon realized he was young and he had no idea of how to rule a country. So, first of all, he thanked God for everything God had done for him so far, for making him king. Then, Solomon asked for wisdom and knowledge, the ability to know what was right. You see, Solomon put God first and showed respect and reverence for God. The Bible says Solomon feared God. And we'll learn a little bit more about what that means a little bit later on this morning from Tony. Because Solomon didn't ask for these other things, for wealth and, and peace and popularity, 
because he asked for wisdom, God was pleased with him. And he gave him all the other things as well. Israel was a peaceful and safe place to live. They were successful and prosperous. And Solomon, for the large part, ruled justly and fairly. Shortly after Solomon had asked for wisdom, his request was immediately put to the test. One day, Solomon was approached by two mothers. Let's call them Sarah and Ruth. Sarah and Ruth shared a house together. They each had a baby that was born only days apart, so they're quite similar in, in size and look. In those days, babies slept in the same bed as their mums for warmth and security. But one night, sadly, Sarah's baby died. Sarah woke up and noticing her baby was dead, got up and swapped the baby with Ruth's. The next morning, when Ruth woke up to find a dead baby next to her, she looked at it and realized that it wasn't her baby. She confronted Sarah and they argued about who was the mother of the live baby. Both were adamant that they were the baby's mum. So they went to see King Solomon and asked him to decide who the mother really was. Ruth told the story of how she woke up uh, with a dead baby next to her and as she looked at it, noticed it wasn't her baby. Sarah told Solomon that she was lying and that the baby was her baby. Solomon listened to the story and when he'd heard the story, he asked for a sword. He told the mums that because they couldn't decide between themselves who the baby's mother was, he was going to have to cut the baby in half and give one half to each of them. Sarah said, well, I suppose that seems fair enough. Then neither of us will have the baby. After all, it wasn't Sarah's baby anyway, was it? But Ruth was distressed and wept. She fell at Solomon's feet. She loved the baby and didn't want it to be killed. So she said to Solomon, please give the baby to Sarah so that at least it will live. Solomon thought for a moment and then made his decision. He told the officials to take the baby away from Sarah and to give it to Ruth, because Ruth was obviously the baby's, baby's real mother. She loved the baby. News of Solomon's decision spread throughout Israel. Everyone was amazed at how Solomon had made the decision, and they realized that God had answered his request and given him wisdom, the wisdom to rule and judge fairly 
and justly. Solomon's priority was God. He wanted to honour God in all he did, as his father David had told him to. He relied on God when he had to make decisions, either big or small, rather than just going his own way. I wonder, could I say the same? Do I always trust God with everything? Do I always have the same reverence and love for God that Solomon did? Or do I sometimes go my own way, follow my own path, and do what I think is best without a second thought for what God might be saying to me? I wonder, do you? Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for for that uh, reminder of, of the, the striking example of, of asking for wisdom and for that challenge at the end. I'm going to read the passage that Tony's going to be speaking um, on later. It's Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you just bear with me, I'm actually going to read that again from uh, the, the NIV that I have in front of me. Similar but slightly different, obviously. Um, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning set guidance, get guidance, sorry, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Before Tony speak to us, uh, speaks to us, we're going to hear um, some testimony from, from Peter. So over to you, Peter. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, following the end of the preaching series on 1 Peter last week, I'd like to share a little of my experience in dealing with suffering over the last five years, as rheumatoid arthritis has caused me constant and oftentimes excruciating pain whenever I move joints in my body. I have to say, I believe that in our Christian life, the circumstances and situations we find ourselves in are all within God's control. So when difficult circumstances do come along and come my, came my way, I always ask the question, why God? 
what are you saying to me through these circumstances? As a result, with my rheumatoid arthritis, I sensed very early on in my journey that God was simply saying to me, come closer to me, I will help you. It's not time to relax in retirement. The enemy is prowling, still prowling around. There was only one reply I could give, oh Lord, I'm ready. I found myself avidly reading, uh, avidly reading the Bible, not out of a sense of duty, but out of just a motivation to keep reading. So began a journey of reading, praying, learning and growing in faith. The enormity and wonder of what Christ did at Calvary and in the resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit really did start to overwhelm me. As a result, my faith has definitely grown over these years and my sense of what being in Christ really means has become ever more real. I fully get the message of Philippians 3 which says I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. However, having said all of that, I've, I've got, uh, having got the message that, uh, from what I've just said, determined, I was determined to keep pressing on, I have to say I was still suffering pain and immobility. And this is where 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter comes in. 1 Peter is a book in the Bible that I found particularly helpful in learning how to deal with ongoing pain and suffering. I spent a lot of time reading, rereading, meditating and researching this book over the last two years or so. As you can imagine, I was very encouraged when Martin took us through um, this book in his recent preaching series. From my experience, I really would endorse what endorse what Peter the Apostle is saying in this book about how anyone encountering, encountering any form of suffering, whether it's ongoing physical or mental pain or any other sort of suffering, can help overcome the daily human struggles with it. This book contains, uh, continues, sorry, this book continues to be a great help and a constant reminder to me of just how to hold on of the and in how to hold on to the enormity of what our God and his unlimited grace to me compare with my temporary suffering in this life. The here and now suffering is as nothing compared to what Jesus did to bring me salvation, forgiveness of sin and eternal life. What a wonderful hope I have. That's why I can say with Peter, the Apostle Peter that is, Whilst I don't rejoice over my suffering, I can rejoice in my suffering by keeping my focus on the enormity and wonder of all that Jesus did for me through his suffering. A new and living relationship in heaven for eternity with our creator God. That's the deal. And that's what puts a smile on my face regardless of the situation here and now. I don't pretend that I found this very easy and it does require great determination and not letting my feelings tell me it's all too difficult, which I do have at, from time to time. In the end, it becomes a choice that I must make. 
and keep making. The result of my determination is always that I find when I do get the right focus, I have a peace and a calmness and a sense of hope about the ongoing pain rather than the feeling that it's all hopeless. God gave me and all of us a free will, which enables me to not allow my feelings to dictate how I deal with my pain. God gave me a brain, which actually is still working reasonably well, um, to gather knowledge and understanding of natural and spiritual things, which I then have to use wisely to make decisions. And being wise means choosing to take hold of, by faith, the knowledge and wonder of my salvation and to focus and rest in Jesus. This, I find, sets my human feelings and preferences aside. I'm determined to go on using my God-given wisdom to manage my physical suffering daily. How appropriate it is that our new preaching series is about wisdom from the Book of Wisdom in the Bible, Proverbs. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter, for that, that wonderful testimony. Um, and as you, you said, it, it looks back to Peter, but it also looks forward to um, what we're going to be looking at in Proverbs. I just want to thank you for your example um, and your determination and your, your discipline and your desire always to seek God's, God's wisdom in whatever situation you find yourself in. So thank you, Peter. Thank you. I'm just going to pray for, for Tony now. Lord, we, we thank you for Tony. Thank you for his, his willingness to speak to us this morning. We thank you for uh, the book of Proverbs. We thank you that we're going to learn from this. And uh, I just ask for your blessing on Tony now. Thank you for what he's prepared. Um, may your spirit rest on him. And uh, may what he says be a blessing to, to all of us, uh, to Tony included. Um, we want to hear from you this morning, Lord. Amen. Thank you very much and welcome. Uh, and uh, it's good to see you all. Um, so special thank you to Alison, Steve and Mark for serving this morning and leading us to the place where we can uh, hear what God has to say to us. And a special thank you to you, Peter, for sharing your testimony this morning. And it certainly makes the link between 1 Peter, uh, the old series, and Proverbs, the new series, uh, linking it well together. And uh, when, when Peter sent me um, the testimony, and I was, I was reading it. I thought, well, that's the sermon, really. Um, we can all go now. Um, but um, perhaps you might like to hear a little bit more. Uh, and so we're going to look at... Um, Proverbs 1, verses 1 to 7, and the title is A Lord to Honour. And the series in Proverbs is uh, another six-week series, uh, which will take us from now to the 7th of September. Now, I don't know about you, and when you think about life, and lots of people think about life, and think about how should I live my life. And judging by the ever-expanding self-help sections in bookshops and libraries, uh, and add to this the consultants, the social media, the gurus. It's a question that a lot of people have been seeking the answer to. And we know that none of us are the best that we can be. We need wisdom 
in almost every situation of life. Given our need for this wisdom, it will be all too easy to turn the book of Proverbs into a set of principles for living, if you like, a moralistic list of do's and don'ts. The book of Proverbs is so much more than this. It's a gospel-shaped book in which God does for us what we find it impossible to do for ourselves. He takes a loving initiative to address our needs for wisdom, to live a good Christian life in this world. The book puts God at the heart of our lives and not us. We can sometimes see ourselves at the center of our own little world, with God somewhere on the outside, helping us whenever we ask him or whenever we need him. Proverbs tells us that he is at the center of all things, that we find true wisdom only in our relationship with him and reverence to him. So as an introduction to the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 1 um, verses 1 to 7 is the prologue uh, and these opening verses give us the title and the introduction to the book. And moving on from Proverbs 1 verse 8 to chapter 9 and verse 18, there's a whole series of speeches. So after the prologue comes these addresses to a, to a young man, encouraging him to pursue wisdom. There are two main voices in this section, that of a parent or parents, and that of wisdom personified as a woman. In chapter 10, in verse 1, shows this as a start of a new section. It's the first collection of Proverbs associated with Solomon, whether written by him or gathered by him or belonging to his collection. It appears to contain separate subsections. Proverbs 25 to 29, there's a second collection of Proverbs associated with Solomon, but said to be compiled by the men of Ezekiel, king of Judah. Here again is an indication that even if Solomon was the author of many of the Proverbs, the book as we have it is a compilation put together after his death. Proverbs 30 uh, starts a new section with the sayings of Agar, and he was a sage at the time of Solomon, Solomon who offers insight regarding his thoughts on life. Proverbs 31 verses 1 to 9, these are the sayings of King Lemuel, uh, he has uh, by, uh, taught by his mother, which reminds us of the parental instructions of chapters 1 to 9. Then we get to the grand finale, uh, and this comes as a, uh, a poem about a woman who fears the Lord. Some consider this passage to be part of the sayings of King Lemuel's mother, whereas others see it as a separate poem in its own right. In either case, far from being a mere appendix about the ideal wife, it brings us back to the personification of wisdom in the opening chapters of the book and presents wisdom embodied in the form of a God-fearing woman. So that's a, a brief overview and an introduction to the book of Proverbs. And so we now look at uh, Proverbs uh, 1 verses 1 to 7 this morning. And we learn in verse 7 uh, the first principle of wisdom. And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord 
is the first principle and is a theme which runs through the Bible's wisdom's writings. Not just in Proverbs, but in Job, Ecclesiastes, and many more others too. Now to our ears, the word fear can suggest a sense of cringing terror or dread. And I wonder if you've been or experienced a terrifying situation. Now at this point, I'll apologize to Steve because I added this bit in. Um, and he hasn't got it in his notes, uh, so apologies, Steve. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but I love flying. And for those of you that don't like flying, I suggest you turn the volume right down now, because you may not want to hear this, uh, because there was one occasion um, that I flew when I feared we would crash twice. So not once, but twice. Now, I was very fortunate to uh, have to go to the Seychelles uh, many times on business. On one occasion, uh, the BA plane would not land in the Seychelles due to high crosswinds and low cloud. And the main island of the Seychelles, Mahe, is a small granite island with a runway just sitting on the edge of it. So the pilot was a bit nervous with the low, crowd, low cloud and not wanting to miss the runway. So he returned to Nairobi, uh, where I had to then night stop. That was okay, but in the morning, um, BA had chartered a Kenya Airways flight uh, to the Seychelles. Now, BA operated a 747 to the Seychelles, and Kenya Airways were providing a 737. Uh, so it was absolutely full. Uh, and I uh, had sat on the flight deck um, many times on landing in Nairobi, one of the privileges of being BA staff. Um, and I knew how many turnoffs there were um, before the end of the runway. So as we approached the takeoff, and uh, I had a window seat, I was sort of counting the uh, turnoffs on the runway. And the last one had passed, and no wheels had left the ground. And I thought we would run out of runway before we even took off. Now, to my delight, the wheels did lift off, but as I had a window seat, I noticed the grass suddenly appear. It was that close. And I really had my heart in my mouth and was praying that, um, that the, the plane would actually take off. On arrival into the Seychelles, it was still very windy, uh, but this time there was no low cloud. And uh, as we lined up for the runway, uh, you come in above the harbour and uh, the runway sits slightly above the harbour uh, as it's built on the side. And suddenly the plane lost lift and dropped ever closer to the sea. And to be honest, I was waiting for the splash as we hit the sea, but it didn't happen. The pilot suddenly pulled up the aircraft and bashed it down on the runway. It just seemed to up and then bang and straight back down. The cabin suddenly erupted into cheers and applause but not from me, of course, because I'm a seasoned flyer and uh, get used to this thing. But that was real fear for me, uh, and I'm sure for a lot of others. But God is good and uh, obviously had uh, something else in line for me. But I've, that's the sort of most fear that I've ever had twice on one flight, uh, thinking we were going to crash twice. So that as the backdrop. Well, actually, that's not the kind of fear that is intended here. 
However, there is a level of fear and trembling that is appropriate when faced with the presence of God. The English words of awe or reverence come closest to what is implied in most uses of the word fear in this context. The Hebrew verb yare can mean to fear, to respect, to reverence. And the Hebrew noun yara usually refers to the fear of God and is viewed as a positive quality. The Greek noun phobos can mean reverential fear of God, not a mere fear of his power and righteous retribution, but a wholesome dread of displeasing him. This is the type of positive, productive fear Luke describes in the early New Testament church. In Luke 9 verse 31 we read, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. This verse is so encouraging as they lived in the fear of the Lord and were obedient to him. And because of this, God increased their number. They honoured the Lord in their lives. If the Bible's wisdom writings are concerned with living wisely in God's world, then the fear of the Lord is the first principle of such a life, where being wise finds its foundation in a relationship with and a deep reverence of God, rather than being wise in our own eyes. Proverbs 3 verse 7 says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This then shapes the decisions or should shape the decisions we make in everyday life and directs our prayers as we seek to grow in God's wisdom. Now knowledge is the facts, skills and information we achieve through experience or education or experience and education. Everyone has knowledge in certain areas. I have knowledge of aviation after 43 years in the business and experience in nearly crashing twice. As Christians, we need knowledge of God. To obtain this knowledge, we must be taught and experience him for ourselves. Our teacher is the Lord himself. He teaches us through the reading and meditating on his word and through the Holy Spirit working in and through us. The fear of the Lord leads us to respect him respect his commandments and his call on our lives. We learn how we are to act and even when, what we should say by fearing the Lord. This fear or reverence make us think before we act or before we speak. As we gain knowledge, we gain wisdom. God our Father wants his children to learn, to grow and to apply these truths in every aspect of our lives and our service for him. In Genesis, we read, we, read, we read that Abraham feared the Lord and carried out his instructions, even at the risk of losing his own son. God tested him by asking him to go to Moriah and make a sacrifice and to take his son Isaac with him, which he did. We know that at the time of the sacrifice, Abraham followed God's instruction 
and laid his son on the altar and was prepared to sacrifice him. And then at the last moment, God stepped in and not only stopped him, but also provided a sacrificial ram. And God said to Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Because of Abraham's fear of the Lord and his faithfulness in carrying out his instructions, God told him that he would surely bless him and make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So we need to understand that fearing God is a positive rather than a negative experience. This should prevent us from falling back into our sinful nature. We need to do things that please him and do nothing that displeases him. If we fear the Lord and do all he asks of us, then surely he will pour out his blessings upon us in abundance because we're his treasured possession. I don't know about you, but maybe you've heard people say that they are God-fearing. And when we hear that, then we tend to trust them more than perhaps we trust other people. If they fear God, then they will do what they say and treat people with love and kindness as evidence of fearing God. If there is no evidence of this, then it's just a cliche that rolls off their tongues. Hopefully for us as Christians, that it isn't just a cliche, that we do respond in the way of fearing God. But the ultimate example of fear and perfect love working together is Jesus Christ. He warned all who came, he warned all who he came into contact with and he warns us that every opportunity to fear God rather than men. He confirmed this and gave us the example in how he lived his life and how he died. He spoke lovingly and honestly to all he came into contact with. He didn't mince his words when people needed to face their sin and repent, but he also demonstrated love beyond our human understanding when he lived out his own words. And we can see Jesus in the book of Proverbs. Just as Jesus being the good shepherd that we read about in John 10, it enriches the reading of Psalm 23 for us as Christians. So Jesus being greater than Solomon, in Matthew 12 verse 42, it enriches our reading of the book of Proverbs. Because in Matthew 12, 42, it says, The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here, referring to Jesus Christ. The call to live wisely in God's world is as, is as significant today as it was in Old Testament times. But for Christians, it's focused on the person and the work of Jesus, who embodies wisdom in himself. A way of life that flows from the fear of the Lord is found in our following of Jesus, the one who makes it possible to walk the path of wisdom in our everyday lives. 
And by doing all of this, we honour the Lord. So how can we apply that to our lives this week? Well, I guess the first thing is that will there be evidence to those that we come into contact with that we fear God? And it's seen by the way we live our lives, by what we say and by what we do, and doing what is right, just and fair. Secondly, perhaps we all need to increase our knowledge of God. And the only way we can do that is by reading his word and meditating on it as often as possible and asking the Holy Spirit to bring it to life to us and in our lives. And maybe this week or in the coming weeks, you're facing a situation, a difficult situation, where wisdom is required. Well, based on what we've learned this morning, then commit it to God in prayer and trust him that he will provide you with the wisdom to play your part for a good outcome. Maybe it is that you, if that is you, that you may feel able to share it with someone or some other people, that they too can pray for you and the situation, that God will give to you everything you need for that situation, and that he might bless you and those that uh, you come into contact with in that situation. So fearing the Lord is the way in which we honour our God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the personification of wisdom, that you are all wisdom and all knowledge. And we thank you that you choose to use us as human beings, as frail as we are, to serve you in the world in which you have created. Lord, this week we will find many situations where we will need your wisdom in order to have a good outcome. We pray that we might pause and wait for you to provide the words to say, that as we speak, we're speaking your words into the situation. We pray that you will receive the glory as we honour you in our lives, in what we do and what we say. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Steve, would you lead us in our, our uh, response in worship, please? Thank you. Don't come. 
Christ, God's only Son. Sovereign Lord, we give you glory now. For all honor and blessing and power belongs to you, belongs to you. All honor and blessing and power belongs to you.
sovereign power come shake the earth again that man may see and come with reverent fear to the living God whose kingdom shall outlast the years the best your name testimony in, in the reading in the word in the all-age talk and for the the words that we've sung in in worship Lord you say to us in James that if anyone lacks wisdom he should ask and that you will give it and Lord I, I just pray that each one of us will recognize that we lack wisdom and that we will come to you as the source of the wisdom that we need and Lord, you are loving, you are tender, but you are also awesome. You are holy. You are perfect. We can never grasp everything, all that you are. But Lord, uh, I do pray that you will enable us to have a right view of you, um, to have that right reverence towards you. And uh, as Tony was, was preaching, I was just reminded of um, the words of a Matt Redmond song. O sacred king, O holy king, how can I honour you rightly? Honour that's right for your name. And so, Lord, may our, our lives, everything that we, we do and uh, say are, and are involved in, the way we interact with other people this, this week and, and uh, in the days ahead, may they honour you rightly because you truly deserve that honor and that, that reverence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Tony. Um, as I said, if you feel you might have testimony that uh, you could give, um, do contact Tony or Nigel this, this week. And um, in terms of having prayer after the service, you will need a, a mobile with you in order to be able to, to text Nigel with uh, your, your name for that. Um, have a, a good week, everybody, and I look forward to seeing you next week. So thank you, everybody.